Hey, and welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message from Pastor Jensen Franklin. All right, let's go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 43, one verse of scripture. Whosoever wants to become a servant or whosoever wants to become great must become a servant. Any of you who desire to be great must be a servant. I want to preach on the subject, we're not crazy, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But God measures greatness in terms of service, not status. God measures greatness in a totally different way from the world. The world says that you're great if you reach a certain status, but God says that greatness is defined and measured by your service, not your status. Not by how many people serve you and take care of you and you order around but how many people you serve. That is how heaven sees greatness. Jesus, in this text, had to deal with his disciples because they were arguing over who would get the top spot, who would be greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus said, if you want to be great, the one who serves the most people will be the greatest, not the one who wears titles. Not the one who sits and is served by other people, but the one who serves the most. To be like Jesus is to be a servant. It's what he called himself. When you understand that God has given you a spiritual gift that you are to serve him with, every one of you have it. You say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I'm going to talk about that. Just hang on a minute. But every one of you have a gift that God has given you. And it's important that you use that gift, but more important is that you have a servant's heart when you use that gift. Because if you don't have a servant's heart when you use that gift, then you'll be tempted to to misuse your gift for personal gain. It'll only be used, your your gift, what, what you can do better than anybody else, will only be used if you don't have a servant's heart for others. It'll be used only for personal gain. And you'll excuse yourself from areas that you consider beneath you because of your personal gift. The only way to serve God is by serving the people that God loves. Jesus said, when you do it unto the least of these, you serve me. Real servants make themselves available. Real servants jump in when they're called to action. I watched as we're putting together this this whole place will be transformed over the next seven days. You will not believe it when you walk in next Sunday. But it's going to require so many people working. They'll be like busy bees all over this campus and all of our campuses. Rehearsals and all kinds of things going on. And what is happening is people are jumping in. Real servants make themselves available. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 said, Whenever we have the opportunity, we have We are to do good, especially for the family of believers. 
Whenever we get an opportunity, we are to do good. God never exempts us from the mundane. It's part of character development. God never says you get so high and so big and so important that you're not to be a servant to people, that you're not to physically get involved in helping people. There's something powerful about it. Do little things as if they were great things because Jesus is watching. The person who's too big to do little things is too little to do big things. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3 says, If you think you're too important to help, you're only fooling yourself. Boy, that's a big thing I just said. Put it up. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's God's word to every one of us. Jesus washed people's feet. Jesus worked in the nursery. Bring the children unto me. And set little snotty nose, dirty diaper children and laid his hands on them and prayed over them and kept the children. Jesus, Jesus fixed breakfast for the men's group. Jesus, God in the flesh, was so much a servant that he served lepers. He fixed breakfast. He washed people's feet. Nothing was beneath him. Nothing was too low for him. Why do the more we get blessed by God and the higher he raises us, do we think somehow we're exempt now? Let the little people do that kind of stuff. It's your willingness to do the not so great stuff that qualifies you to do the great stuff in heaven's eyes. Real servants are faithful. They don't leave a job half done. They don't make commitments casually. They don't not show up for the slightest reasons. Real servants are faithful. They don't quit when the going gets tough. Real servants can be depended upon. Can, can others depend upon you? Can God depend upon you? One of the amazing things, Lyndall, that we've noticed during the COVID thing is uh, what we've seen. We're tracking. We're trying to, trying to get all the sheep back in the Back in the herd, that's what a pastor does. I'm obsessed with it. And those of you who are still watching in your pajamas, thank God for our online audience. But I'm talking about you people right here in Gainesville that are watching in your pajamas, sipping on your latte. I'm going to tell you, there's more to church than just what you get out of it. We're not just for your consumption. But the church is supposed to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, the heart. And here's the thing that we're seeing. We're seeing that people are coming back but they're not, whereas they were ushers, whereas they were parking attendants, whereas they were altar teams, whereas they were choir members, whereas they were in volunteer, in helps, in ministries, and all kinds of things, in greeters, they, they, they have now said, I don't do that anymore, and therefore I don't have to be as consistent in my attendance, because... 
what it took to make a church great. Now we're about to find out where the real Christians are. You know, you know, in the parable in Matthew 25, this isn't in my outline, but I'm about to preach it. In Matthew chapter 25, when the bridegroom comes back, they all started out on fire. They all had fire in their lamps. They all had oil. But right as the bridegroom comes, do you know statistics say 50% of Christians have not returned to God's house? Could it be the great divide that is going on? right before our eyes? Real servants are faithful. They keep their promises. In Matthew 25, Jesus taught the parable of the talents. And he referred to the servant who failed to use his one talent because it wasn't as great as the person who had ten talents. And Jesus is not and was not a socialist. He did not say, just stay home and don't use your gift. No, he said, take sweet, sweet Jesus, sweet, gentle Jesus, said, I will not tolerate laziness in my kingdom. Take the one talent that he has, watch this, and give it to the guy who has 10 talents because he'll take what you give him and he'll go to work with it. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. We better teach our children that God rewards people who work and use what they've got. If you don't use it, you will lose it, and God will give your talent to somebody else. Real servants keep a low profile. They don't become self-promoters. Self-promotion and servant hood don't mix. You don't find many real servants in the spotlight. They work quietly in the shadows. Many start out as servants and end up celebrities. But oh, if we could get back that heart for the church and that heart for God and that heart for what we do for the Lord. It, that, that our whole lives are built around the house of God and our whole family unit is built around the house of God. We become addicted to attention and we only do what we do. You can, you can be blinded by the spotlight, but really the real thing that counts is what you do. Jesus said, your father which sees what you do in secret one day will reward you in heaven. If you're standing out there at that door, you're not crazy. You're not crazy for getting up and putting on your best and standing and opening the door and welcoming people. You're not crazy if you're standing out in a parking lot. It's a beautiful day today, but it doesn't matter to those guys and those gals. They'll stand out there in the rain. They'll stand out there in the sleep. They'll stand out there, and they're not crazy for it. You're not crazy for doing what you do for the Lord. Give God a mighty praise. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 said, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing, since I was a child, I've done that. 
And especially after I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I made up my mind. I'm throwing my life in. I'm throwing my hat in. I'm going to serve. I'll serve. I'll serve. And I served. And I was the drummer. And I was a keyboard player. And I was the sax player. And I was for my dad. And I was his Sunday school teacher. And I was his junior boys class teacher. And I was over this. And I would sing the solo. And my brother would sing with me. And we would just go. And then I became an Angelus and now a pastor. I've thrown myself into it. And sometimes when the enemies attack, like he's attacked all of our families, the enemy says, Well, I don't guess it's worked out. It ain't over, devil. It ain't over. Number one, God's still working. He won't forget what you've done for the house of the Lord. He won't forget what he's promised you. He won't forget your labor of love. It's not in vain. And we are not crazy for giving him all that we have. Shout amen, somebody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Philippians 2 and verse 25, Paul says, Ephoditus, my fellow worker, ministered unto me. The Apostle Paul identified this man as his fellow worker. And he said he ministered unto me. With what? With encouragement. He encouraged the Apostle Paul. He encouraged him. Encouragement is when you say the right thing at the right time. People need it. Be an encourager. Encourage people. Call them. Check up on them. We got to start getting involved in evangelism again. We got to start getting involved and getting a heart for the, for the communities around us. When you understand that, you understand that when Jesus began to call Peter, James, and John, and others to volunteer and to jump in and help him spread the news of the kingdom, he was very strategic in his decision that it would be a volunteer organization. Jesus could have built his worldwide ministry several ways. He could have made it a solo act. I don't need you little people. I'm God. I'm the miracle worker. Wherever I go, the crowd shows up, and you guys, you're, you're insignificant. But Jesus didn't build it that way. He said, I need you and you and you and you and you. And they were fishermen. They were carpenters. They were common people. The, uh, one of them was a doctor. One of them was this. But it was a mixture of... And he said, I need your gift to be deployed for the kingdom of God. I could do it by myself, but I choose to use you and your particular gifts. Wow. Jesus could have built his ministry in a lot of ways, but primarily he said, I'm going to build it on the shoulders of volunteers. We have to understand that in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, God empowered every one of us to be priests and ministers unto God. The priesthood of the believer. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to give, if you wanted to participate, if you wanted to get involved, if you wanted to work, you had to be a priest. It was only a priest that could do that. But when the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room, it was the beginning of the priesthood of every believer that you could come boldly and you can present your gift, whether it's administration or it's education or it's teaching or it's uh, business mind. And whatever it is that you have, it can be used for the glory of God and his eternal church. 
It's really something. This idea is found in Ephesians 4 and verse 1 when Paul instructs pastors to immobilize, to, to mobilize every person in the church, to train them, to equip them, not to sit and soak and hear another sermon, but to deploy their spiritual gift to build the kingdom of God. It's not about another sermon and another good feeling. At some point, we have to understand that God needs you to step up. The idea of volunteerism is laced throughout the entire New Testament. When you read the scriptures, you find out, you know, we do ministry so different. People, you know, they get a church up to about 75 or 100 and they hire a pastor. And the pastor, I wrote down some things, becomes the teacher, the preacher, the barrier, the marrier, the visitor, uh, the, the visitation, the guy, the counseling, the shepherd. He becomes the groundskeepers. He becomes the door unlocker, the man who carries the keys. He's the sound man. He's everything. He's supposed to put it all together and we'll give you a one-year contract. This is how most churches actually operate. And at the end of that year, if you have let anybody down, we'll probably get a group against you and we'll vote you out and get another one and try to kill him. Thank God we don't do it that way around here. Amen. <laughs> but you know, what we've got to understand is that's totally unbiblical. If the church starts to grow, they hire, 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 and we have to do that. But at some point, the real reason for hiring is the pastor is supposed to equip the people to do the ministry, and you just have to keep hiring so that you not get them hired to do all that stuff, but they equip the people to do the ministry. There's something called an endangered species, and I see them all over this room right now. I see them behind that camera, that camera, that camera, that camera, and that camera. They, they're not looking at me. They're looking through monitors. They've got sound. They can't even hear me except for, they're hearing somebody say, take that over the head of that bald guy and go left with it and go over there. And, 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 they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they're directing. They don't even get to hear the sermon. But look at them. They're an endangered species. We don't pay them anything. This is their ministry. They show up early. They get together and join hands around a pot of coffee. And we plead the blood of Jesus over every camera. Work and they anoint it with oil. Come on, church. That's, that's what's made this a great church. Not a superstar preacher. It's the people. It's the heart of a servant that God looks for. No excuses not to step in and perform ministry anymore. When you have the Holy Spirit, when you have the Word of God, listen to this. When you have all of heaven cheering you on, saying this is the final hour, get involved. Do something that will last for eternity. Do it now. The doctrine of servanthood is what Paul talked about when he said, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. His fundamental identity was not an apostle. He, he was all five. He was an apostle. He was a prophet. He was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He was a teacher. But he said, I reject all those titles. I call a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
People go church shopping. Well, I like this one. They got a good check. Check. Good youth program. Check. Best. Good little music. Best this. Best that. Thrill me. Feed me. Bless me. They see themselves as consumers. The Apostle Paul had the total reverse. He showed up and he said, here I am, a soldier. I'm ready to go to work. Give me the heavy end of the log. What needs getting done around here? That ought to be how at some point involved we get. Not less and less involved, more and more involved. I'm not doing it because for some selfish motive. I will face God over whether or not I teach you what you're going to stand before the judgment of the believers. It's coming. You're going to stand not about your eternal soul and entering into heaven. That's settled at Calvary. But you're going to give an account of what you did for Jesus. And you're going to stand there and out of all the billions of people, the spotlight will hit you before the throne of God and you will stand on the beam of the, the exalted place and suddenly everything you've ever done for the work of the Lord you will see it on a big screen and God will say, enter in and here's your reward. Or he's going to say, some will be five-star generals and some will be G.I. Joes. We're supposed to be a group of servants that are so aware on a regular basis of what Jesus has done for us through his death and his blood that we have no other option but to, out of appreciation and gratitude, serve him in any capacity that we can. So important. I want to say thank you to every volunteer to every person who has responded, to every person who has given, to every person who has helped us. I want to say to those of you online, thank you. All of heaven is cheering you on. Thank you at all of our campuses. It touches my heart that over in coming, they, they were in a, this only a place we don't have a physical campus yet and they get up early at like five in the morning six in the morning and they start putting up speakers and they start putting up stuff in the high school auditorium and they've been doing it for several years now and 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 they're doing it in midtown until we can get into our new building which the lord gave us and if they get those ships off the west coast and get our stuff in there we'll we'll be ready to go by march Let's hear it for the volunteers. Let's hear it for the choir. Let's hear it for the worship. Let's hear it for those who deploy their gifts. Let's hear it for the nursery. Let's hear it for the youth. Let's hear it, youth workers. Let's hear it. Come on, let's hear it for the greeters. Let's hear it for the parking team. Let's hear it for the, those who answered the telephone ministry when the show was on 200 nations of the world, those in our phone center. Let's hear it for the counseling center. Let's hear it. Let's hear it for the small group leaders by the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Wow. The nursery home, the nursing homes, the ministries that, which they've restarted by the way. And 
the prison ministry that we already have that won 1,500 souls last year in prison right in our communities. And we haven't gone into federal prison yet, but we're coming. Thank you. Turn to somebody and say, thank you for stepping forward. Tell, say it. Thank you for stepping forward and wearing the towel. Thank you. Thank you for unloading chicken trucks. Thank you for showing up, for volunteering. It's the duty of every pastor to make sure every member knows their spiritual gift and that they step out of the shadows and they deploy that gift. Listen to this scripture. I'm almost done. And I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to end. Hebrews 13 said leaders of local churches will stand before God and give an account someday of how they lead their church. That verse haunts me, scares me a little. That, that, that the responsibility of every dollar that comes into this ministry, I as the leader of this ministry, will stand before God one day. We've been given a spiritual gift. We've all been given a divine capability. I watch it sometimes in our board meetings. Business people that see things I don't see, that know things because of their experience and their whole background. They, 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 they deploy their spiritual gift. It's not a singer. It's not a, they're not a preacher or she's not a preacher. It, 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 it's business people. We say, if we do this, we would save 100000 or this or what about that or this. And everything that we go through to, to do what we do, I see it all around me. People using their gift. Nurses in this church show up and do clinics and we'll need it more and more as we get these buses going. It's going gonna, it's gonna to require people, people who work all week long and, and, and they get up on Sunday morning and I know in the flesh they look at each other and they say, do we really, are we crazy? Why are we going over there to stand at that door? Most of the time the people are grouchy anyhow. They don't want to speak. And, and let, let, why are we going to do this? And why am I going to get up and go sing in that choir again? And they put us behind the Christmas trees and we're in the shadows. We don't get the main stage. Well, tell you they're not crazy. They're doing something for the glory of God. And he said, if you give a cup of water in my name, that's great. That's great. You're being a servant. Glory. Hallelujah. Here's God's idea of how a church ought to be run. This is so profound. He said, now, if you have leadership gifts, that means, leadership doesn't mean that's what you call yourself. If you're, if, you're, if you're going out and leading and you turn around and nobody's following you, you're not a leader. <laughs> you're a dreamer. You're not a leader. A leader is somebody who turns around and you got people following you. So here's the deal. If you've got that on you, you've got that on you. It's in your DNA. A leader will lead. A leader will come. A leader can't sit in a, a thing and just uh, something in you will, will kind of want to take charge because you're a leader. And especially if you know that you know that you know. A leader's like that. A leader gets stirred up about stuff. 
And, and here's how God says the church ought to be led. This is so, this is deep now. You got to have Greek and Hebrew uh, background and theology to understand and, and ability to, to, to figure this out. God says in the New Testament, leaders ought to lead the church. Teachers with the gifting to teach ought to teach. Shepherds who have compassion and love and patience and kindness, they ought to shepherd. And administrators, well, the church ought to be administrated by CFOs and business types and people who watch every penny and, and get on your nerves and did you turn in the receipt? And I have a jet I'm going to. That's their gift. Boy, we got that one under control. I guarantee you, we've got some that chase you down. Help, if you have the helps minute, you just love to help. You just love, see, it doesn't do me good to try to help Sharice. I, I hand her the hammer. I hand her things. That's about all I can do. Because if I try to do it, it'll be worse than it was when, when I tried. But that's not my gift. And I don't want to have that gift, nor do I intend to learn that gift. I'm a saxophone player. I could hurt my fingers easily. <laughs> see, I already have them. I have them ready at any moment. The other day, she made me live. Can you see that? I have, I would hold up the middle finger, but I, I can't do that. But, but, but it's bruised. It's bruised and it's messed up because she made me do this terrible manual labor like crazy around the house and it crushed my finger. I probably will never be able to play the horn again the same. Pray, praise church. Look, Bill's back. <laughs> he comes in. He comes in. <laughs> That's funny. Let me throw one more in and I'll close. Did you know that one of the spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible is giving? It actually lists giving as a spiritual gift. We make people feel so bad and so guilty if they're not serving in this and doing that and serving in that when the truth is some people's absolute thrill that was put in them as a gift from God is to make money and finance the kingdom. They get their thrill. They touch things and it, it increases. They just know things intuitively. They just make smart moves and they bring the resources to the kingdom of God. That's their gift. And I read this book by a, a pastor. He's no longer in the ministry. But he built a massive, massive church that touched the world in a true, powerful way. And he said one day he got a phone call from one of the wealthiest people who had ever helped his ministry. I want you to listen to this. And he said, every building that we built, everything that we did, every soul that we reached, and they reached them. I mean, this, this, was, this ministry was worldwide. He said it was connected to that, that man and that family because he had been with us for decades supporting us. And he said, one day he called me. This is where I got the whole thought on the message. And he said, he 
said, I want to take you out to lunch. And so he went out to lunch with him, and they were talking, small talk. And finally, the pastor said, well, why are we here, John? Why are we here? He said, Pastor, I just need somebody to tell me I'm not crazy. He said, my CPA thinks I'm crazy. My attorneys think I'm crazy. All my golf buddies think I'm crazy. Because I could stay out there the rest of my life. I don't ever have to work another day. But he said, I get so thrilled at making money and bringing in the tithe and the offerings to the house of the Lord. They all think I'm crazy and, and I keep writing these checks. And he said, I even asked myself on the last one, am I crazy? I want to say that I understand that statement. We live in a culture that will tell you you're crazy if you give to the work of the Lord. You're crazy if you get up and go to church on Sundays. That's over for America. You're crazy if you support ministry like the stork bus and blessing the nation of Israel and on and on and on and going after men incarcerated behind prison doors. You must be crazy to spend that kind of money. That kind of money on one of those buses. You must, we're not crazy. You're not crazy if you set the bar high. You're not crazy if you yearn and believe that God can use even you. You're not crazy if you say, I want to do something for God and be faithful to the end. To the end. You're not crazy. You're not crazy for coming to practice. You're not crazy for giving. You're not crazy for being faithful to attend. You're not crazy for giving. You're not crazy for supporting this kind of ministry. Sometimes we need to get our thinking straight and hear it again. We're not crazy. We're not crazy. Tell somebody, they may be wondering. We, we are not crazy for shouting and praising, for gathering together for an hour tonight out of our busy holiday season. We're going to raise our hands and worship and pray and cry out to God for revival. Shout, I'm not crazy. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.